Welcome into the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer of DNVR. As we recap the NHL draft fully over, before we get into specifics, AJ, we're a day removed from the first round. The Avs added three late round picks. How do you feel about the Avs draft as a whole? It's weird. <laughs> okay. I, I uh, don't disagree. Well, because, and this is obviously what we're going to talk about today, but it's weird because the approach today, especially with two overage guys who could immediately join your AHL team, I don't know if that's the plan, but they can, uh, is kind of odd. And I wonder if they're just, I wonder if like the list just fell that way or if it was an intentional, hey, we're going to try and get these guys like in the organization our, like quickly, in our system yeah, sure yeah and so it's that aspect of it is weird um versus making two first round picks last night not moving and then doing nothing all day except just sitting there yep uh kind of strange just kind of a strange approach i think where it it almost looks like two different uh philosophies of you have two picks that are going to be, they're both at least three years away. And then you've got two picks at the end of your draft today that you could slide into your AHL team and think. Let's see what happens. Yeah. And, and like, maybe they can provide a little value there. And so I wonder the late round overage guys, they, uh, they actually got one. They, they hit one a couple of years ago in uh, Niels Oman. They just didn't sign him. Yep. And this, I mean, this is conceptually, I don't hate the taking overage players, especially with your late round picks. But for Colorado specifically, historically, they have not done anything at all successful with these guys. Yeah. Uh, I mean, do you remember Brandon Sajan was coming off such a great yep. OHL career? And we were like, hey, he's going to head to, he could join your AHL team immediately. He did an overage year in the OHL yep. and then disappeared into yep. the ether. Yep. Played in the ECHL for like a year with Colorado. Yeah. And then they didn't keep him. And and this has happened with a handful of other picks that Colorado has made as well with these overagers where they don't seem to know what to do with them. They don't put them in the AHL right away. They they often let them do another year, whether it be an overage year in juniors or if they're European, whatever European league they're in. And then if they do sign them, they tend to end up in the ECHL or they don't sign them at all because they have to make that decision a little bit faster with overage players. And they just haven't been successful in doing that. So I think the one – the. My my counterpoint to that would be that's not unique to overage players. They don't, For sure, they they haven't. I mean, they didn't know what to do with Sample Ranta. They Obviously, they've been with. wildly unsuccessful with late round picks for a very long time now. I, I mean, even mid round picks. Like right now, it's yeah. Jean Luc Foudy and Gustas Anadin are carrying the torch. But let me ask you, Anadin's path is a little more clear, and he's gotten games in two straight years. We think he's going to get games again next year. You know, injuries are always a thing that that pop up. But uh, as much as we like Jean-Luc Foudy, where is he fitting in this roster right now? Now, I know that their free agency is still a couple days away. They're going to sign guys. They're going to bring Cogliano back, I think. Uh, And they're going to put veteran dudes in front of him. 
they're going to need to get injury issues. Where, like, what's the plan here? Yeah, what have I... they learned? What have they learned from the Alex Newhook thing? Because I don't think they, I don't, I don't know that they're going to end up learning anything from the from what went wrong with Alex Newhook, and they're just going to say, well, we pivoted to a more championship ready made player, and we don't have time to wait for that guy. And if that's the case, why did they just take two first round picks? I mean, this is how I felt yesterday. Is you and and look, you can feel fine about in the moment. Ross Colton might be better than Alex Newhook for the the roster, maybe no sure, doubt. Maybe. But, I mean, there's I don't think there's any doubt about that. But those first round picks aren't making you any better right now. So you're kind of splitting the hair there with your philosophies. Well, and and like the I I know last night there were a lot of people in chat that wanted to talk about well why would they bother making the picks what's the point of this well you have to make picks at some point i mean if you, you literally just punt on the draft for five years you're gonna have a really hard existence because I mean, at that point you are not going to have any cost efficient guys at all unless you are getting really lucky with the evan rodriguez's of the world every year that's very, very hard to do when there are 31 other teams trying to do the exact same thing. Yeah. Exactly. Trying yeah. to go out and do the same thing. So, like, I'm I'm, I'm just sort of, I guess I'm just a little confused because it feels like they made picks last night and they got two prospects that they really liked because they feel like they were supposed to. And I guess I would wonder what's the sense of urgency in doing it now. Now I know this draft class is one that a lot of people in the NHL liked more than others. But if you were going to do that, I I understand really liking Mikhail Gliyev. He's yeah. I think there's a talented player there for sure. I think there's a really talented player there who really fits their who really fits their organizational style and and yeah. Yeah, and it's not hard at all to see that his contract expires in 2025 and him becoming a one-for-one Sam Gerrard replacement if Sean Barons hasn't already done that. Yeah. So, like, I, like, that's fine. That's all good and well. But if you were worried about your prospect health overall, wouldn't it have just been better to move down and continue to accumulate assets and do that? Like, it's still strikes me as sort of an odd philosophy uh i guess an odd approach to it now coming out of it they've got five guys they've got you and i were talking about this walking out of the studio last night um these two guys are already in their top five prospects yeah they're they're two first rounders are there's no doubt about that like you know obviously we're not as high on richie as some but you could certainly make the argument that both of them are top three yeah i think you know kovalenko's probably maybe even top one if not top two of these guys but after that you could have both guyayev and richie in the abs organizational depth chart so yeah i just uh i i guess i'm just sort of curious about what i'm i wonder what their I don't know. I guess what's, I'm, I'm, I'm. What's I'm the game little... plan from here? Yeah. Well, and because okay, so you have a couple more prospects. That's fine, but they've shown very little ability 
to get uh, them since, to the next step. Yeah. Since they got, since they really broke in and got like into Logan O'Connor and Bowen Byram, uh, well, since they got into this competitive window of mm-hmm. making the playoffs every year and being this group, uh, Bowen Byram and Logan O'Connor are really the only two young players. And I, I get new hook did and uh, that have like come in and like broken into the roster. But New Hook, you felt like they didn't, and I didn't. I didn't go onto the New Hook pod uh, and talk about how I felt about it. I was, I was pretty annoyed that day. But really, I, I feel like, I feel like, look, development and all that stuff. It's very complicated, and anybody that tells you they know where it broke down is lying to you. But I don't feel like the Avs did enough to help New Hook in his development. I yeah. don't feel like they put him in positions Succeed, to really yeah. get the most out of his game. And they kept jamming a square peg into a round hole, trying to get it to be a round hole, trying to smooth off the edges and say, it was a round hole all along the way. All you had to do was believe. So I think that's true. And I just, I want to build off of that concept of, Okay, so they don't get it right with Newhook, but yeah, this is where are they going to get it right with Jean Luc Foodie, and and where are they going to get it right with Sean Barons? Where are they going to get it right with these two guys? Like, if you can't get prospects into the NHL and into jobs unless they are extremely limited, like Logan O'Connor, or yeah. they are tip-top elite prospects like Bo Byram and Kale McCarr, if those are the only two pathways. There's a huge, well, a huge gap between them well, that they continue to fail. Why bother? So here's my problem with what you're kind of digging at here. You have an Alex Newhook who you feel like has the skill and you're not willing to work a little bit harder to give him the opportunity to show off that skill. And then you look at the long list of particularly, I think you get into forwards, the Shane Bowers the Martin Cout, however you want to feel about him. Mm-hmm. Some of these other prospects who project as more depth forwards mm-hmm. that never really get the opportunity to be that in the NHL in this organization. Mm-hmm. And you fall into this weird space where, okay, yes, you have Logan O'Connor who dominated at the AHL level and you were still able to turn him into a depth forward in the NHL. Great. But if you're drafting players that you're expecting to be depth forwards, how do you get them from a 30-point AHL guy to the NHL? Mm-hmm. Because it seems like they aren't willing to give the opportunities nearly as much to those guys and instead settle with a new hook as a depth player where he doesn't really fit that mold. And, you know, and looking forward, we're talking about Jean-Luc Foodie, but Oscar Olauson's sitting right there on your AHL team yeah. playing, on its, uh, playing on its fucking third line. Yep. And... I think it's fair to ask questions about like, hey, like they don't know what they're doing here. Like they don't, I don't, I, I feel like they don't know what they're doing is a really harsh criticism that I don't want to levy, but more like, I just feel like they don't have a plan for how to get these guys from point A to point C. It, they There's no I, B, it's, <clears throat> I'm going to drop them into the, a, into the NHL and just hopefully they figure this thing out. It's and not we'll, that they aren't trying it's right they don't have the roadmap right like logan o'connor gets hailed as all the great example here and it's like you guys have gotten one fourth liner yep 
an undrafted guy. Yeah, and this comment from Brad, they don't know how to balance between winning and developing. This is where I think they 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 failed with Newhook. Yep. Because they spent so much time. I mean, look, they won a Stanley Cup, and we've said when you win a Stanley Cup, all things are justified. That's the ultimate end goal. It's extremely hard to do. It's fine. But the fact that the fact that we're having this conversation again about more prospects that are not working. And the only reason we're having this conversation now is because it's fair to wonder, okay, the draft just finished. They just added five prospects. Why should I be excited about this? Why should I be excited that they added two first rounders that they said, Hey, this is a really good draft. These are the guys that we're going to target that we want to build into uh, our program down the road. And they're going to inject some youth and some skill and some much needed young life into our NHL team in a couple of years when they're on ELCs and they're going to be cost efficient and it's going to go great. And we're going to get them onto the roster and, and it's going to, you know, this is going to work. It's going to work because it hasn't in a while. Like new hook. I'm new hook in no way. It was a bust for me. I, no. I was, le- I was disappointed by the production, but I was as disappointed by how, by, by the job that they gave him. Yep. And last year, last year, they had every excuse. They had all the injuries in the world. And instead of, hey, we're just going to put Alex Newhook into a 16 minutes per night role and just see how it goes for a month while while we've got all these injuries. It was, we're going to play JT Con for 22 minutes a night. Yep. The opportunity just never really came there, right? And And like, I get it. There's to a certain extent you have to earn those opportunities, but well, and it's chicken and egg because it's like of what course. do you consider an opportunity? Dude, the fact that he gets to play two periods with some of these guys at the start of a game, and if it doesn't go well, and if they're losing the game three one, then it all gets broken up because hey, we were trying to win the game, and in the wow. end, it just becomes yeah. about it, it. Just becomes about well, the winning is the end goal. That's what we're trying to do. And that's fine. I understand that that's where the organization it, but, is and that they're talented enough to be in that window. And some the, the problem there is, yes, if you play Newhook one game there and he doesn't look great, the immediate thing to win the very next game, the best move might be moving him back down and, and putting JT Confer there. But in the long term, and we don't know this because we never got to see it, but there's a very real world where if you leave him there for 20 games and give him time to adjust – that he becomes a better option. Right. And that's what we never got to see. And that was where that is, that is an area where you do have to look at Jared Bednar and you do Mm -hmm. have to say, look, man, this is where we saw more young guys than ever get opportunities last year to play in the age in the NHL. But how many of them do you feel like truly got an opportunity? Shane Bowers played the best hockey he had ever played, got two shifts, got hurt. And we never saw him again. again. Yep. And it was fair. And your fourth line is bleeding. It's yep. hemorrhaging talent. It's hemorrhaging bodies. You're injured all the time. And he comes back. He gets healthy. He comes back. You never see him again. Why is this? No, even even with regulars, we see Bednar regularly lean on, you know, you call it his safety blanket of guys like a JT Comper, of guys like an Andrew Cogliano. Not that these are bad players, not that they don't deserve it, but 
at the first sign of a mistake in a game from a young player, you see Bednar just completely move away from even giving those players minutes. It's and and look, I get it. Bednar's job isn't here to develop hockey players. His job is to win, to go out and win that night. But there has to be some sort of conversation of trying to move the team and organization into a better spot going forward instead of just trying to win every single game in the moment, right? Yeah. Um, can we bring that comment back up saying that's just not true? New Hook was playing 13, 14 minutes a night in October. Yeah, he did. He had one point in nine games, and everybody talked about how he had a bad start. His minutes went up in the month of November and December. He went up from 13 minutes a night in October to 14, in which his scoring took a big jump. And then he, in December, he ended up playing 16 minutes a night in 15 games. He had five points in in, in 15 games. It's not amazing. It's not like world beating. But if you go and you look at Newhook, his most successful stretches came when he was playing his uh, playing the most. Yep. His production was worst when he, when he was in the most limited of roles. Yep. Because that's not who he was. He needed to be put in different positions to succeed. And this is a larger organizational conversation that's not just about Newhook. The same thing is happening with Oscar Olauson in the AHL right now. And this is why when... And again, this isn't meant to be like this big grievance, pity party, whatever, whatever. But there is a whole conversation here about what the abs are doing with the draft picks that they're making... And what that what why they're not working in the, in translating them from draft day to NHL success story. Where is the disconnect, and how do these prospects get the opportunities that they need to make that next step in their career? Right. Yeah, and I think that this this last comment in chat of saying Bednar has to have development of young players in mind, he just has to. I agree. I think it needs to be a consideration of sometimes. The guy just needs to let somebody go through it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I'm... It would be the one, maybe one of the very few. It would be one of the very few areas where I would say he might just need to loosen the reins just a little bit. Well, and, and if nothing else, I think last year the Avs proved they can win games with half an AHL lineup. You can afford to give some of these guys some opportunity. Right. So you would like to see a little bit more of that. On that note, you can do both. You can do both. You definitely. This is how the Pittsburgh Penguins have succeeded forever and ever and ever and ever. It's how it's how Tampa Bay has succeeded. You know why Ross Colton just got traded? Because they threw him into opportunities in the NFL. He was a he was a mid round pick that they let just marinate and then they put him in a depth role and they let him work his way up their lineup. And then when he became too expensive. They traded him for a draft pick and then drafted a Ross Colton clone with that draft pick. <laughs> uh, Tampa Bay is the master at this. They do both of them at the same time consistently over time. By pins and aces. You can go get your golf apparel, the official golf apparel merchandiser of DNVR at pinsandaces.com. Go check them out today. They got all sorts of amazing clothes, whether it be hats, shirts, pants, 
Their golf towels are sick. Their DNBR ones are amazing. You can use code DNBR at pinsandaces.com to get 15% off your order. You can also get some of their specialized equipment, like the beer sleeve that goes right in your golf bag and carry beers straight onto the course, or the liquor stick that goes in your golf bag, and you can be serving drinks all day long from your golf bag. Bunch of amazing products. Check them out again at pinsandaces.com and use the DNBR code. And then, I mean... I guess you could do it during your golf round. I kind of think of it as more of an after round of golf activity to, to smoke some weed. But you could do it on the course, too, with Kind Love. You can go check them out today. Kind Love, one of the first dispensaries ever to open in Colorado. They've been around since 2010. So they know what they're doing when it comes to their product. They're local. Everyone at the DNBR raves around about their uh, turbo sticks, which is just a little like toothpick sized stick that's infused that you can stick into anything. You can stick it into a, a normal cigarette if you want to, or you can stick it into a, a joint you're rolling, you name it, and uh, it will do the job if you know what I mean. Uh, it, it You don't need to smoke a whole lot of it to, to get the job done. We'll put it that way. A couple puffs and, and you'll be feeling good. Uh, they great at what they do they are fully integrated they grow their own stuff and sell it themselves so from seed to table as they say uh for their cbd and uh marijuana products you can go check them out today you can go to one of their stores in cherry creek or north denver you mentioned dnvr and you get the dnvr exclusive 25 percent discount off all kind love flower pre-rolls and the turbo joint line or you can go to kindlove.com for their full extensive menu and online ordering. All right. Second period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast. AJ, I know we're kind of having an overarching conversation about the organization right now, but you look at these yeah, conversations definitely. when it specifically comes to Richie and then these later round picks. Yaev's a little bit of a different situation. He's signed in Russia till 2025. That one's kind of set in stone. But you look at these other guys. Where are the paths to success for these prospects? Where do you want to start? Start with Richie. Okay. So Richie, I think I think it's actually pretty clean, clear cut for Richie. He's got the straightest path, straightest path forward. He's already in North America. He's going to have two years until he turns pro. Uh, he just had shoulder surgery six weeks ago. He's going to be healthy for the start of next season. You're expecting a big D plus one. If you're a big believer in 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 Richie, like he'll be healthy next year, and he exactly. kind of needs to pop off. Yeah, you're really expecting a strong D plus one from him. Yep. Um, his path forward, uh, look, he needs to get he needs to get stronger. He needs to develop. I think he needs to develop a little more playing with some pace. Uh, and then I think he needs to. Uh, I, I'd like to see a little more of a dynamic element get added to his game. Uh, I think it's it, at times it's it's almost too simple. It's it's too safe. Uh, that the. I don't know if simple is the right word. I know he gets a lot of credit for being a very intelligent player and, and yeah. having that ability, but I agree fully on, I think it's too passive and too safe at times. And I think I want to see the, I want to see the defense continue to round out because I think he does have the upside of being a really potentially a really good defensive center, mm -hmm. which when you're projecting forward and how is that going to fit with the avalanche? That's very nice to have. Yep. 
when you have Nathan McKinnon as your one C. Throwing like, defensive centers behind that guy just feels it's, good. Yeah. It's, you're always gonna need. You're always gonna be like, okay, well, we need we need somebody to take care of the defensive end uh, on some level. It, it doesn't have to be really good. You don't need a selkie guy. That would obviously be nice, but you don't need a selkie guy. You just need somebody that's like solid, right? And that's where right now they've got Ryan Johansson to do that, where it's it's solid for he signed for two years. You've got at least two years for for Richie. I'm just going to repeat. This is the exact same conversation and timeline that we had with Alex Newhook and Nas Kadri. Like well, we we just did we just did this. So I do want to say let's temper expectations that this timelines are these are just oh they're going to bump into each other so nicely, <laughs> so perfectly, and then oh he's just going to take that job when that guy leaves in free agency. No problem. No, I don't think uh, I, I. I'm I'm not going to look at that and say that's that's where we're headed. That would be the ideal, and that's why I say it's the cleanest path forward. Is because center depth is always going to yep. be kind of a thing. Now I want to see what Ross Colton's deal looks Ends like being when, for sure. Because if the Avs Could give change him a five-year deal, yeah. Yeah. then there's that three C job that you would like Richie to maybe get his NHL feet wet doing. Yep, is going to be kind of taken for a little while there. So, um, but I would say I would say that's what I, I want to you know before I worry about him being any good in the NHL, I want to see a little bit more of an offensive pop from his game, uh, and I want to see I want to make sure he sticks at center because if he ends up moving to wing and becoming a wing, his value takes a big hit. So here's what I will say: I think you and I probably project him as more of a third line guy. You look at historically the younger guys the Abs have put on there. Obviously, we just talked about Alex Newhook, but you talk about even someone who's been successful there, like a Logan O'Connor. We're still waiting to see exactly what Ben Myers ends up being in the NHL. Mm-hmm. You're talking about three guys that are on the smaller side there. Richie's six foot three. Yeah, well, and you're talking about a guy that's 190 pounds at 18. Gonna fill out even, you know, you're probably talking about a guy that ends up. 210, 215, maybe even 220 or more. So you can start to see how if you're targeting a path similar to that of some of these other prospects, he's a guy you drop into that bottom six and has the size, has the ability in theory when healthy to play physically and and fit a bottom six role maybe a little bit more of what the Avs need. Now I get it. You never draft to solve your problems today. Mm-hmm. But how many times have we sat here going, well, if you put those three guys together, that's a pretty small fourth line. Mm-hmm. Richie will not have that problem. Yeah, I do think that that is one of your one of your selling points is that a guy that's going to be and and look like what did what did you learn about him this year with playing through all the shoulder problems? He's a warrior. There's, yeah, there's there's a toughness. Yeah. And. That is a and because that's a make or break year for him. If he dislocates his shoulder early in the year and he has surgery and he misses the entire season, he's not a first round pick. Yep. You don't know where he gets drafted. You don't know how much money he might just have cost himself. You don't know what his future might have been had that happened. Yeah. And so he put his head down and he played through a hurt shoulder, a pretty seriously hurt shoulder to give him to be fair here. Yep. Um, all year long, 
and still ends up a first-round pick. For me, uh, on that one, I'm tipping the cap, and I'm saying that's a thing that you really love about him. Yeah. And when you do talk about uh, the size and the intelligence and, hey, when you're projecting to the end, I know there are a lot of people who say, oh, if you have to talk about a player's size as a plus, that's automatically a bad thing. I think that's insanely reductive because when you do get into the postseason, when you do get into, uh, when you do get into like, like playoff hockey, you, do you ever find a team full of guys who are fucking five foot nine and five foot 10 going really deep? The answer is no. Don't think if you take two players of exactly equal skill, but one of them is five inches taller, you're taking the taller guy every time. Right. Right. And it's because it's not just height. It's, it's reach. It's a bigger frame to add more weight. It's more strength. It's being able to overpower those types of guys, those smaller guys. Like uh, Richie, Richie's size is a is a plus because size is always a plus. Yep. And and, and look, when you talk about he's on the bigger side, he's a guy that's willing to play through injury, can do that. Not necessarily the same because I know Cogliano's quite a bit smaller, but that dude has made a career out of running into stuff and playing through stuff. Yeah. You can, you can be a very solid NHL player, assuming a base level of skill on pretty much that alone. I would also say this could be kind of a weird comparison, but one of the things about Richie's game that I also like is, you know, the, the Bruce Brown role in the nugget that the nuggets just had. Sure. A guy that came in and could support maybe maybe Aaron Gordon is even an even better example here, but a guy that supports the stars and it just kind of connects everything together, and he puts all the pieces together. I think that's a thing that that will be that I've underrated or not appreciated as as much as I should have about Richie. That quote unquote in, glue guy. And well, and like I I'm using the term connector. He puts. Fits all the pieces together. He may not be the main play driver himself, especially in the NHL. But as a con- as a as a connector, as a guy that's going to make everything work, there's going to be value there. So you're, we you're honestly saying... just we honestly just kind of saw that kind of career out of JT Confer. Yeah, I, I, you have to. I, I think I need to be convinced a little bit more. He's going to need some more versatility to be able to be that guy than I've seen out of him. But again, with Richie, this whole conversation in six months, we could be saying, Oh, his shoulder's better. And he looks great. Awesome. Or we could be saying, Oh, his shoulder looks better. And he kind of looks the same as he did before. Yeah. And that's really what's going to shape the initial conversation around. Well, him. and I think, I think you and I are going to get an up close look because yeah, a couple days here. Yeah. Well, if he's healthy enough for the rookie tournament in the preseason, Even finally the Avs are going to have guys that aren't just invitees going out there. Actual first round picks. <laughs> yeah, they're they should have. I don't know. I don't know if the I don't know if Guliaev is going to make that trek, but I fully expect to see Richie there and healthy. He said he should be healthy by the preseason by that tournament. Yep. So if he's ready to go there, we're going to get a look, man, and we're going to get to see because. He's going to be going up against top prospects from the other teams that are there, and you and I, you and I are going to get an awfully good opportunity to have to eat our own feet. Happy to do it. 
I, I mean, you and I, of course, would love to be wrong about this. We would love to be wrong about it. I, 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 I want to reiterate this because I think people misunderstand. AJ and I don't see a great NHL player of Callum Ritchie. Yeah. One, that's nothing against him as a person. I'm sure he's a great guy. Of course. It's, it's just our eye as looking at a player and seeing ability level. And two, we could be super wrong. As with everyone who scouts NHL prospects, you're wrong all the time. And, and three, it's not like we want to be right about a player sucking. Right. <laughs> this is a really, I'm in our defense. I like this point because it's not, it's not like we want to take a victory lap. If this doesn't work out, that's not what any of us want. We, we would like for all draft picks to work out. We would like for the 32 guys who got drafted the first round yesterday to be good players. Yep. Like I'm not rooting against people to fail here. It's just, that's our personal opinion. And once they make the pick, like our personal opinion on it doesn't really matter, man. It really doesn't. And this is why, this is why all last week you and I were joking around. Oh, that guy sucks. We don't like him. Please not that guy, <laughs> yep. but they draft him and it's like, okay, well now part of our job is to say, here's the upside. Yep. Here's the path to success. Here's what you should be excited about, uh, excited about. And to be honest with you, it's really not hard to see why people who are big in the scouting community are fans of the guy. Yeah. Like, you have a high-character kid, you have a tough kid, you have a high-hockey IQ guy. Like, here's a, here's a little bit of a conversation. I think I see some similarities in Callum Ritchie's game and Martin's Couts game in that intelligence level and the ability to replays, especially if you yeah. can bring that to the defensive side. But then also he needs to be able to bring that physicality and that jump that we struggled to see a lot of, of, of Martin Cout in the avalanche organization where, where I would, where I would say is the separator between those two is the level of engagement from Richie yep. is at the moment more consistent. We'll see when he gets into the pros, if that continues or not, but of course um, that would be one thing that I, I, for, for my money, that's literally the only thing keeping Martin Cout back because when, I mean, I think was, even as is, he's an NHLer. But we've had this conversation. Yeah. yeah, and and if Richie if Richie ends up in that same caliber of player, he just needs to just every game consistency level. Yeah, a little bit. every yeah. game, yep. just be who you are. Every game, he'll be in the NHL. Yep, like that. I actually have full confidence in <laughs> how good he'll be. That's the question mark. Yeah, is is yeah. But for me, I there's one thing that I can absolutely feel confident about. It's that I think Cal Ritchie plays in the NHL. It's just, is it a fourth line guy or is it a middle six guy? Yeah. Uh, all right. On that note, we're brought to you by Illegal Pete's. It has been getting warmer and warmer, and maybe you want to go enjoy the sun on Illegal Pete's patio. The longest happy hour around from three to eight p.m. It's, it's raining again today and tomorrow. It's not right. It's, it's beautiful and sunny where I'm at, so I don't know. What... Well, it's coming, buddy. <laughs> oh, great, great. Looking forward to that. You can tell we live 30 miles apart. <laughs> <You're no kidding>. <laughs> <laughs> Wherever you live, there's 11 different Illegal Pete's locations in the Denver metro area. So go check them out. Get their delicious burritos with fresh ingredients. Enjoy their happy hour margaritas. Whatever you want to do. In fact, there's one right next to the DNVR bar if you're coming and hanging out over there. 
yeah, it's just a good time. It's good food. Go check them out at Illegal Pete's. Also brought to you by Shady Rays. We don't have our sunglasses on today, but if you watched our draft live show, you got a good look at our uh, our Shady Rays. Just two options of many, many different styles that Shady Rays has. You can check them out at ShadyRays.com. When you order with code DNVR, you get 50% off your order if you get two pairs of sunglasses or more. It's basically buy one, get one free. And the best part is you have 30 days. If you don't like them, you lose them or you break them, they'll replace them for absolutely free. So you might as well try a pair. And if you you can, you can do whatever you want. You can switch them out. You can swap them in. All that good stuff. Even have uh, goggles for skiers and snowboarders. So they got something for everyone. Uh, again, go to ShadyRays.com, use the DNVR code, or they have a brick and mortar at the Park Meadows Mall. Third period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast. Should we get into these depth picks a little bit here, AJ? I will talk about the Russian kids first because we just haven't – we haven't. Okay, uh, yeah, I mean, we can talk about Gouyaev. We, he got overshadowed last night, and that was one of my big things coming out of it is I was like, I didn't properly hype that kid up enough. Yeah, I, look, I tried my best, all right? I was like, I like this kid, even if he doesn't make a ton of sense in the abs organization. Yeah, and I think that's where, after last night, kind of looking at the timelines and looking at where we're headed um, with with the Colorado's defense and with the a, maybe a Taze extension and a uh, and a new Byram contract yep. might force out Sam Gerrard. And if you're looking at Gulyayev you're seeing a lot of Sam Gerard similarities. Um, defensively, he's competitive. Works hard, I'd put it that way. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, he's competitive. He he does not shy away from having to put the work in. Well, and he's a, so he's he'll, a defender that defends it. very well with his feet, right? He will close gaps quickly. He will be on top of you. Um, you mentioned his feet. We should, we should note number one attribute there. By a lot. Um, a great skater. And it's not just acceleration and, and like the sexy part of skating, like the straight line speed, the breakaway stuff, you know, flying up the ice and transition. It's a lot of the lateral movement. It's the edge work. It's the balance. Yeah. Very, very, very good agility on him. And you see that, honestly, you see that more in the defensive zone than the offensive zone where he, you see him. He's he, very, and in the article that I'm writing, that'll be out 10 minutes after this pod is over. <laughs> He's very sticky defensively. And this is where I think he draws the strongest comp to Gerard is because he's an undersized guy, but he's got a really good active disruptive stick and he's really sticky with this skating so that he stays on guys. Now physicality is going to be a problem. He's undersized and he has no strength whatsoever. So that's an issue. Again, drawing a, a drawing a comp to Gerard here. The physicality is going to be a problem. He is not going to win board battles with his strength, he will win them with his stick, and he will win them with the smarts, and he will not win board. He will not win battles in front of the net. That is going to be an area of concern. That's going to be a major limiting factor on his upside. It's why he got drafted thirty first, not first. So, this is the 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 defensive zone is going to have very similar strengths and weaknesses to what we see in Sam Gerrard. Uh, yeah. Just the skating and the IQ. He's a, he's a pretty smart player. And he's really, really effective. I will say the focus drifts at times, sure. especially defensively. The focus will drift. Offensively, he might have been the draft class's best just breakout passer. 
I, I think he and, might be their just best transition going forward transition defenseman in the whole class, like going on the offensive direction. Yes. Defense, say, obviously Mullen, not. Mullen, but, Mullen Dyke, yeah. I think, has him on that. But yeah, breaking out and transis- transporting pucks, defense to offense, yeah. very, very, he's, very good at it. He's so good at, at moving pucks the right direction with his feet. That yeah. guy picks up pucks and is just going forward. But he also has, and I think this is, I think he's going to have the best breakout pass that the Avs have had from a defensive prospect since Kevin Shattenkirk. Nice. Because that's a guy, that's a guy that's, he can fire a 90 foot tape to tape breakout pass. And and that's like, that's his future. That's where he's going to make his bread and butter at the level for sure. Yeah. Uh, His, his awareness, his ability, his ability to understand how much time and space he has. Now, if if there's one thing in Russia, and this is super true (laughs) in Russia. Yeah. He's got time. The the, 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 the four defense, checking the holes in the gaps are, are large. Yeah. yeah. And the four and the four checking in Russia is not aggressive. It's yep. much slower. It's it's much more deliberate. In North America, it's very frenzied. Now, this is part of this is all the space that they have in European ice versus North American ice. All that space comes behind the net where a lot of defensemen win, lose battles, and then have yep. to take the puck and do something with it. Yep. Um this Gulyayev, Gulyayev is going to be a very, very, very good fit in Colorado. Yep. This is the rich get richer. I wrote in my piece, that's the kind of pick that Colorado makes and 31 other teams go, how did we let these guys get him? <laughs> like, yep. are you kidding me? This is the last thing that these guys needed was another one of these dudes. They all the, the salary cap might force them to give up Sam Gerard and their precious little Norris men. You just drop Guliyev, and you in just there, drop yeah. Guliyev in there perfectly. He is signed in Russia through 2025. That's two years. It's not that big of a deal. I yep. don't think he was coming across before then anyway. Like he probably was not going to be at least in the NHL. Yeah, that, he signs. Uh, let's let's say he doesn't sign a new contract there. He comes across. After 2025, and he's either AHL, NHL, I don't really know. That's the question for me, is he plays out his KHL contract. Is he ready to jump directly to the NHL or not at the end of that thing? The big, I think his number one limiting factor is his strength. Yep. He doesn't have any, man. Yep. I'm pretty sure Sam Sam Gerrard could bench press him, but he couldn't bench press Sam Gerrard. He's got to add that Sam Gerard is 17 pounds of muscle or whatever. Dude, he <laughs> is. He doesn't have any upper body strength whatsoever. So he's got to, he has to fill out a little bit. And I will say that might be his uh, number one limiting factor in terms of expecting him to get to the NHL quickly. Two years, two years ago, or I'm sorry, two years from now. And then maybe another year or two to really let him mature into his body. It really, it really could just be, you just have to wait for him to fill out because his offensive game and his skating might even might play at a low level in the NHL today. Um, He had a late promotion to the KHL. I want to see, I want to see how he does. There is all kinds of reason to be excited about this player. All the excitement we don't have for Cal Ritchie, I've got for this guy. The one, just to try and balance the scales a little bit, the one thing I will say, dude's not a goal scorer. There's 
not much to like there about his shooting ability. I so I I'm less convinced that that's true because I think he needs develop he needs to develop a more aggressive mindset on offense in general. He's very skilled with the puck. He's just not very assertive in that end of the ice. He started to be a little more later in the year, and when that happened, I think his game really started I, to jump a little. To clarify, I want to see more of that. I think his aggression is fine on the rush. It's the half court when you're set up in the offensive zone when he gets too passive. Um, I, I again, I think part of that conversation is he's so so good with his feet that when he's already moving, he sees the gaps and he just plays into them. Yeah, he has to work his way through the the setup defenses a little bit more. Uh, but I, yeah, I, I'm on the whole, I'm with you. I'm fairly excited about him as an Avalanche prospect. He's yeah, you know, Kovalenko's probably my number one in their system right now. I would I would say so if only uh, I would say so because he'd be in the NHL if he wasn't was here already. But I think Gui is my number two. So anyway, okay. from one Russian defenseman to another Russian defenseman. Um, do we, I just want to. So one of the one of the questions here. Um, Will Clawson said, "Sounds like how you discussed Barons a couple years ago. What are the differences between them?" Um, Gulyayev is way more dynamic offensively than Barons is. Barons is like a good puck distributor. Um, Gulyayev is a guy that will straight up defense to offense, run that puck through your team, uh, yep. and make a highlight real play to a teammate for a goal in transition. Barons, Barons doesn't have the skating ability of Gulyayev and he's also smaller. But Barron's defensively makes up for it with a really nasty edge that Gulyayev doesn't if, have. If you gave Gulyayev's Barron's feistiness, he'd be <laughs> in the NHL tomorrow. Like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you gave you give a lot of guys Barron's feistiness. It would really help their games quite a bit. Yep. That's a major selling point of why Barron's outplays his size on a consistent basis. Mm-hmm. Um, Gulyayev does not do that. He, he does not outplay his size. So um, he's going to have to figure some of that out, but he also already has an understanding that that's not a thing that he's ever going to be able to do. So he's already found avenues of success being really, really smart and good and effective with this stick is, is a big part of that. So anyway, let's move on to the, uh, the next Russian kid, Nikita Shimnikov. Uh, yeah. The opposite is correct. <laughs> the, the opposite of Gulyayev in, in every way. Not a great skater. Six foot three, already almost 200 pounds. Mm-hmm. Uh, really physically developed uh, already. Well-rounded the guy you're looking more at the defensive side of the puck. Not not as physical as you'd like from a guy that is already 6'3", 200 pounds. Like, you'd really love to have a thumper. For sure. That just blows people up Josh Manson style. Um. Does not really do a lot of that. Um, kind of has that Nikita Zadorov plays at his own pace, and it looks lazy. Sure. Because it's just very, like, he just picks the spots where he engages at a yeah. high level. Yeah. Um, but it's not, it's, it's not like you're, it's not like with Ryan Merkley where you're just like, oh, his controller disconnected. Mm-hmm. It's more of a, he's just, he's just kind of waiting it out. Yeah. Um, 
heavy feet is a serious problem, but I think there's a decent defender here if they can get his skating up to snuff. It's, there's a certain caliber of skating that's just required to play North American hockey, right? Like, yeah, and and a certain level of he need, he doesn't have the requisite puck skill right now to just make even a basic first pass breakout, good decision under pressure. That's all going to have to be something that gets developed. Otherwise, it, it doesn't matter what level of defender he is; he's not going to make it. Yep. He doesn't. He doesn't really have that. Uh, that part of his game is still totally underdeveloped. What you do like offensively is that he's got a pretty good shot. When you're six foot three and you can lean on that stick, yeah. it goes pretty fast. Yep. Puck goes zoom. <laughs> exactly. Uh, he did a, what eleven goals this year in Russian juniors. So yeah, compared yeah. to two from someone like Uyayev. So yeah. I, look. I, I suppose we should preface all of these late round picks with they're late round picks. All of them are going to have yeah. significant flaws in their game. You find uh, you find something you like and you hope to develop the rest of it. I think what's interesting about Ashimnikov is that he shows real flashes of things offensively when he seems to step it up a little bit. Yeah. But but defensively struggles with puck skill sure. where in the offensive zone, if he gets a hold of it, he can do, he can dance some guys, you know, there's a little bit of, there's a little bit of upside there. There are flashes, but when he gets, when he gets put under pressure in the defensive zone, he crumbles and he makes bad mistakes with it where you just say, okay, his, his hockey sense is not up to snuff. He's, yep. he doesn't, he doesn't read the ice well enough to know what play he needs to make. If he gets under pressure here. And I, I, if you're having that problem in the in the MHL and the VHL, oh my god! Trouble. Yeah. So I would say uh, this is more of a. I think this is more of a draft pick, and he's 18. Yeah. Um, he's the only 18 year old that they took today. <laughs> uh, he's the one that this is a. This is. Uh, I don't mind this pick. If they made a pick like this every single year, it wouldn't bother me because this is a roll of the dice on physical ability yep. on a guy that is uh, he's really really physically advanced for his age and you hope and he can put the rest of his game together basically if you can teach him if, if he can develop a little bit of skill along the way and again the defensive profile is already actually pretty good so if he could get a little bit if he could get a little bit more of the offensive side of his game rounded out and developed they might have a player here it's going to take some time definitely <laughs> this is up this is a four to six year project yeah I, the, the easy part of that is hey leave him in russia if he puts it together mm -hmm. come calling yep. <laughs> kind of the kind of the way that they did with shravalov where they just mm -hmm. took him and waited yep and if you you know four years in now you hope it ends a little bit better but yeah if if you if you get that kind of that kind of timeline where hey after a handful of years he's interested in coming over great then you have that so, conversation when you get there. Yeah. 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 The one thing, um, not in one of the better Russian programs. Yeah. But you see those guys get moved all the time, too. He could end up in one if, if things go well. We know that Zravilov moved around quite a bit. Yeah. So, yeah. A fair point. You don't know. You don't necessarily want to get too wrapped up in that. Yeah. Um, can that. 
go on we're to gonna, the next ones. Yeah. We're going to feel very differently about this one, I think. Uh, Jeremy Hansel out of the Seattle Thunderbirds, an so overager, right turned 20 in February. Uh, also billed as a well-rounded defenseman. If you care about things like this, he broke plus-minus records in the WHL. Uh, <laughs> did have a very, very impressive playoff run with the T-Birds as they went all the way. Um, but also he's 20 playing against children. <laughs> playing against children. Like there's this gigantic difference between 20 and 19-year-olds. I mean, yeah, but... You know, there's also some 17-year-olds in that league. I know. I just thought it was it's funny. It's not, you know, it's 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 not like a like a pro league where you're like this guy's 23 years old and he's playing the Slovakian junior league. Yeah, and, sure, sure. You know. That guy's playing against children. Uh, no, I so I think I I think uh this just happened to be some kismet because uh, Z loves Brad Lambert, who played for the Thunderbirds this year, and I was yep. watching their playoff run because of that. And this is a guy that you noticed uh, on a team that that Thunderbirds team absolutely chock full of draft picks and yeah. really good players. Yep. Uh, and this is a guy that stood out to you. Um, a smart, like. Just a just a good all around game. Mm-hmm. Um, not gonna do anything any any one particular skill. I don't think is going to really like pull you out. over. You're yeah. not gonna you're not gonna watch him and be like, oh my god, that's skating or whatever. But if you were gonna make an NHL comp, my my, my comp for him would be Devontae's. Same exact size, same kind of smarts, same kind of does everything pretty well but just knows how to play the game. Obviously that's the extreme. Absolutely. Everything went perfectly. And in the super duper high end, uh, rainbows and unicorns version of this draft pick would be Devon Taves, but stylistically, I think they're pretty similar. Yeah. I mean, I think you would be lucky to get 60% of Devontae's out of it, but you love that. Yeah. Right. That's what I'm saying. And <laughs> I, I do think there's a decent amount of stuff to like here. I think there's a lot to like other than his age. One, his age. And two, I worry about his pace a little bit. Playing in a junior league, you can see the intelligence in his plays. You can see him, I think, particularly in the offensive zone in that league. He can regularly beat people defending him. But it sometimes feels like he's beating them in slow motion. And I worry about that at the next level where I don't know if his agility is good enough to really be effective in the offensive zone in the way he is in juniors. Yeah. Um, fair enough. I'm, I guess I'm just less concerned about it and more concerned that he's just not going to be very good in pro hockey or everything, everything picks up, everything's faster. Everything is, this speaks to your pace point, but where you just have to play at a higher level. And I don't, I like, you wonder a guy that's 20 years old, is this just a late bloomer? Again, Devon Taves is a guy that I picked in this example for a reason, is a guy that just took time. He just kept getting a little better every year. And that just continued into his pro career. Um, This would be a guy that because he's 20, he's eligible to sign right now and go to the Colorado Eagles. I would do it. 
I don't see what point there is to giving him back into another WHL season. I, I I've long been a proponent of if you're drafting a 20 year old kid, you're drafting him to play pro hockey. I think that that's exactly what they should do. Now we'll find out in the next couple of days, what their plan is, what they think about it. But, uh, to be honest with you, they should be. I, he wasn't at the draft. Uh, having not been drafted two before, years in a row, yeah. you can understand why he was like, I'm not going. Yep. Um, but he wasn't at the draft, but I expect he'll be in Denver when they do the meet and greet with the draft class this weekend, um, which you and I will unfortunately not be able to attend. Yep. Hopefully one of Jesse or Megan asks about, hey, what's the plan? Is he going to sign? Is he going to go straight to the AHL? If he goes straight to the AHL, the Eagles have openings. And it would be nice to know if they're going to have this kid on their roster next year before free agency opens and they have to go sign four different Josh Jacobs to fill Whichever out that roster. Random dudes, yeah. it's. Uh, I think part of the issue that you're getting at with him and, and why I bring up the offensive side is in the modern NHL, all defensemen need to be able to play a little bit of offense. The Jack Johnsons of the world are very, very few and far between. Well, it, you look at where Jack Johnson is. He's on the absolute fringe of the NHL yeah. at this point. Barely an NHLer. Yeah. How and, many How many high-end defensive defensemen don't have puck skill in the NHL right now? Very, very few. If any. I mean, can you, can you yeah. off the top of your head, can, can maybe chat can help us out here? Even like even the top defensive defenseman in the league now, I know he's not good yeah. anymore. But like in Vlasic's prime, he was putting up good offensive numbers. Like oh, he had a great first pass. So it, you just need a certain level of that, and that's where I really worry about someone like Hansel. I think he could develop into a quality professional defensive D, but I just don't know if the offense will be there. I'm I am open to all. Yeah, maybe. I mean, Tanev, Tanev is certainly not. A, I mean, Tanev and a guy like Adam Pellick are guys that are like they will just make the most basic of plays with the puck. They won't hurt you. And so, yeah, certainly not good offensive players, it, but even I don't men, know that they're. Right? I don't know that they're negative. Like Pellick had twenty points in sixty games this year. Yeah, <laughs> like that was that was nice for him. <laughs> uh so. And again, but like, anyway, yeah, moving on for a guy that you're taking in the sixth round. Yeah, that's perfectly fine. There's going to be some holes there. <laughs> yeah. Like guys drafted 187th. Yeah. 187. Like, yeah. uh, like we'll, we'll see what this becomes. It would be a giant boon for the avalanche to get anything out of him. Really? Yeah. Something. Yep. Out of the three guys they drafted today. You get one guy that gives you NHL games. And not like, oh, he played six games one time. Like, get an NHL player out of one of these guys and you are thrilled. Yep. Uh, the final guy, the seventh rounder, Marosh uh, Jelishka. <laughs> Did my best with that one. Uh, another overager. He is a 20-year-old. But he's been playing in Slovakia in their pro league for a couple of years. So there is some pro hockey Jelishka. experience there. Uh, and he is uh, one of the best offensive players on his team. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's been just a shade shy of a point-per-game point per guy game, in yeah. Slovakia, Slovakian's top pro league the last two years. Yep. Um, he actually, he was the, I don't know if you know this. Probably Fun not. fact. 
fun fact time. Oh, God. The youngest player in Slovakian that league's history, with the Slovakian top pro league, I don't know what it's called. I think, yeah, I don't know. Uh, to score a hat trick. There you go. Last year. Had he he ever. Like, when he was like 19. Um, has been has been like a fringe draftable prospect each of the last two seasons. Played at WJCs for Slovakia twice. Yep. Did not score any points. Nope. Zero points in nine games. <clears throat> I don't really, I don't know. This is all I know about him. This is it. This is, that's it. Of the, yeah, like, look, of the few clips I've seen, he looks like he's a pretty fun skater. Has has some it's ability eyes. in that. Yeah. Again, 6'2", 200 pounds. He's already yep. 20. He turns 21 in October. He needs to be in the AHL. Yeah, if they he, drafted him and they were like, hey, we're going to let you stay in the Slovakia. The is just not good enough for development. Like, yeah. What are we doing here? Why? Why did? Why did this happen? Yep. Uh, no, that that's for me. That should be a hard no. Sign him. Uh, sign him to an ELC and get him to the Eagles immediately. And let's start seeing what they have. See what he has. Yep. He's he is twenty one in October. There's you could make a what I think would be a poor argument for one more year of Jeremy Hansel in the WHL. There's no reason this guy should be anywhere but. Now, I, I guess if he was going to go get a job in the SHL or something. that I was going to say, like, if he goes to the KHL or, or one of the top professional leagues in Europe, maybe. Even then, you're if you actually want to develop this guy, you need to get him on North American ice and adjust it to that smaller rink. But at least you could understand a top professional league. The Slovakian league is not it. I agree. I mean, I just think it's not. We'll see of the very, very little I saw of him. I do like he does have a nose for the puck in the offensive zone a little bit. He's one of those guys where he just kind of seems to find it a lot. I do think his shot isn't very good. It was fun Uh, to watch his YouTube highlights where he just stood in the vicinity of the net, whacked away at pucks that just bouncing near him. And you're like, okay, well, he picks through the trash and nicely like that. Yep. This is a this isn't this is a skill. Yep. And, and, like, you take the positives there and, like you said, get him to the AHL and let's see. So. I see that he's already signed for the same Slovakian team this year, but he probably wasn't expecting to be drafted. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> I, I, I mean, if but... he if he plays, I and mean, it's not, like, the worst thing in the world, but if he plays another year over there, you're kind of just like, what are we doing? Okay, like neat. It's fine, I guess. I don't think it hurts him. It just doesn't push his career forward. And again, he's turns twenty one in October. I really hope we get to see him at Dev Camp. That'd be fun. Yeah. Um, look, after Peter Kavacha a few years ago, there's no excuses not to be here. <laughs> you gotta make it. Yeah. Get on that flight, bud. Yep. You get drafted. Get over here. What do you What do you think? That guy had to think. There's no way I'm getting drafted. Oh yeah. I, I, Getting, he he got that phone call. It was probably it's probably one o'clock in the morning where yeah. he was. He, it's same uh, same as the Mon and Ginobili story of when he got drafted. I actually don't know that story. He he's playing for some Italian team, I think. Oh. And like the the coach woke him up in the middle of the night to tell him he got drafted, and he didn't believe him. He's like, <laughs> "Are you sure?" <laughs> like, nah. <laughs> 
That's good. That's yeah. Good... I wonder. I wonder if yeah, they they had like the team captain like come in and be like, hey, and he was like, oh, you guys are funning with me. Leave me. Yeah. Alone. Yeah. <laughs> nope, it's real. Although I guess it's the off season. He's probably staying at his parents' house or some shit. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. <laughs> I mean, he's not a millennial. He probably actually doesn't. Yeah, how much does a Slovakian pro league player make? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what cost of living is over there. Yeah, I really yeah. have no idea, man. <laughs> uh, how would you how would you rate this draft for the Abs? Obviously, they had limited mid round picks. The first round is what it is. <laughs> Let's be real here about taking two overagers and five picks. Don't love it. Um. I should say two 20-year-olds with five picks. I don't like yeah. calling them overagers, but uh, two 20-year-olds in five picks, uh, those guys very rarely pan out. Yep. So um, with that in mind and with just the fact that I don't like the Richie pick very much, I don't know how I give them any more anything more than a C. I, it feels like a C to me, I, given the assets they had. Maybe a C minus. You you would have liked to see them maybe trade back one of the firsts. Well, and I especially because you also the guy you take in the fifth round today in a Shimnikov. Yeah. At the moment, looks really limited. Yep. It's I. Then you if, take two twenty-year-olds. If not for Gulyayev, maybe I, I'm probably giving him like a D. Yeah, same. That's why it's a C at this point. Is because. Yep. They went with a guy that fits their identity, fits their style, is a is a perfect fit for the Colorado Avalanche. Just like belongs. That's the yep. only thing raising this boat right now. Yep. For me. But but I knows? also in the NHL more than any other uh, the NHL and MLB, those are the two leagues that I don't think you should grade drafts. Yeah. I mean, sure. You you especially with the NHL being 18 year old kids right you just don't know how those development processes are going to go yeah that's why i don't want to i don't want to grade it and i also feel like it's just not fair to grade i mean they come these guys all played different leagues yeah they drafted did they draft a guy from no they drafted five guys from five different leagues but aj nhle is never wrong it's always accurate Man, even the <laughs> NHL, even the big proponents of that model don't even say that shit. Uh, I mean, yeah, obviously, Chad talking about Quentin Musty. Had they drafted him, it wouldn't have mattered what the other four picks would have been. It would have been an A. I don't know about that. It's definitely a B four at that point. But I mean, if they gotten Musty and Kulyayev, it would have been an A plus. I'd have really liked that first round, but we don't live in that world, so. Nope. Tough. I really, really, really hope we're wrong about this. Me too. Like, I, I hope immediately Callum Ritchie shows up this year, dominates, is ready to make the jump to pros, and then becomes an NHLer that I don't know that he can become. Yep. So, um... Is what it is. Now we yeah. wait for three years, and I make clips and highlights and prospect portfolios about it. This, uh, you want to touch on this question about Def Camp? I very quickly did get five dollars from Jake Palumbo saying, "AJ and Rudo, thank you for the free content. Much love from Wasilla, Alaska. Appreciate you, Jake. Uh, all right, 
which prospect do you want to see the most of in dev camp to make a big step outside of the top guys? Pavel, Bujalski, and Romaine. But we, uh, we really we don't know what the invite list is for one. Yeah. Um, so we really don't know. Every year I fall in love with one invitee. There. So yeah. Shout out Jack O'Brien. <laughs> Uh, it, it, it's hard to say if, if we're talking about guys that are actually on the Avs depth chart somewhere already. Even then, like all the guys who would be fun are generally college kids, so they might not even be there. Um, I guess it'd be interesting to see where Steinberg is at against some even composition now that he's technically in the abs organization yeah i mean you know that i'm a big bulyalski guy and i just want to see if anything is there other than the fact that he's really fast yep um i want to see what's up with colby ambrosio is he gonna be there though like that's the thing i don't know i don't either again but if we're just looking at guys in the system sure fair enough um those are the those are guys that i will i will i want to see i think ambrosio is probably my number one curiosity Fair. I, I think he's an interesting one. One that I hope has some upside. But Yeah, I mean his college career started off so hot and then it's like been solid from there. Settled into the middling, I would say, yeah. Yeah. And when you go through Colorado's reserve list, you're just kinda like, uh, eh, you know. There's not a ton that really pops for sure. There definitely isn't, man. I mean, it'd be fun if Vlad Kamenev came back for WF. <laughs> that would be a thing. Uh, I recall he had a really good KHL year. Happy for yeah. him. Yeah. He's had a couple of productive years now in the KHL. I'll tell you what. I'll tell you who I'm excited to watch at Dev Camp after day one of Dev Camp. <laughs> uh Anyway, we are going to wrap up today's show. We've been going for about 70 minutes, so we appreciate all of y'all oh, yeah. hanging out with us today. Uh, we will be back tomorrow, Tech, and, uh, well, honestly, probably more draft stuff. But uh, No, it'll be for agents. Oh, you're, you're right. You're right. I mean, we'll be, we'll be in studio with broken mic arms instead of broken mic ears. Hey, yeah. I mean, it's technically the, the microphone, but that's yeah. why I'm using this thing. Yeah. Anyway, we appreciate all y'all, and we will talk to you on the next one.